Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I don't know uh, exactly who was with us last week, but we, we started looking into the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Just ring any bells. Give us a little nod if you, if you think you, I'm vaguely being coherent here. Great, nice. So the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And remember, this is the chapter in which Paul interrupts himself. And uh, he starts by saying, as I think of all this, and then he goes off on a bit of a tangent. And then he comes back in the bit we're going to look at this morning to, as I think of all this, gets back on track and says what he wants to say. But this is the last section of Ephesians 3. And um, I don't need to tell you this, but it follows on from Ephesians 2. You'll know this, won't you? Because you've, you've read the Bible. And uh, when, when Paul is saying, when I think of all this... Well, it's good for us to remind ourselves this morning exactly what he's thinking about. So why don't we open our Bibles at Ephesians chapter 3. Stick your finger in Ephesians 1 and 2 as well because we need to help one another this morning. Remember the things that Paul is thinking about when he says, and when I think of all this. Okay? Am I making sense? Yeah? So what is it that we have learned that Paul has taught the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 that makes him look back and say, and when I think of all that, this, what is it he's shared with us so far? Don't be shy. Shout out. God loves us. Brilliant. Thank you for getting us started. There's much more to come. (laughs) Does God loves us. Who does he love? Everyone, okay, can we, can we um, think of a way Paul said that? Because of his great mercy. Because of his great mercy, yeah. Does it matter where we've come from? Jews or Gentiles, yeah, that's right. If you're in the people who thought you were God's, God's own people, or whether you're among the people who have never thought that before, he says you're still God's own people if you put your trust in Jesus. What else is Paul thinking about when he says... And when I think of all this, by grace we are saved. saved. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what is it about us together that Paul is thinking about? Perhaps think of what's towards the end of Ephesians 2. Temple. Temple. Okay, what kind of temple? Yeah, what kind of temple? (laughs) Holy temple. Did it not say holy temple in yours? Oh, it's a holy temple. Okay, <laughs> so, so we, are, we are a holy temple to the Lord. The, the people that God has chosen and called to himself, those who have put their trust in Jesus and are saved, are a holy temple to the Lord. We are the place where God lives by his spirit. Yeah, God doesn't live in a building or he doesn't live in the Ark of the Covenant as, as would have been in Old Testament times, but God lives in people who have put their trust in him. And when we gather together like this, we are a holy temple. How else are we described when we're together? Fellow citizens. citizens. Okay, so a citizen is someone who belongs somewhere. Yeah, so we are people who belong somewhere. Yeah, what about, there's another word beginning with F. We all have one. Family. Family. It's a great word, isn't it? So when we're together um, as God's called out people, we are family together as well. That's a tremendous thing, isn't it? And 
Paul goes on to say that, that we are his church and we're built on a strong foundation together. Yes, the foundations laid down by apostles and prophets, but not just them, Jesus himself is pulling everything into line. Yeah, ensuring everything remains plumb and, and true and straight. And that's who we are. And when Paul says, and when I think of all this, that's the stuff he's thinking of. Okay? Thank you for helping me. That's, that's, really, that's really helpful. So I'm going to read this morning um, Ephesians 3. I'm going to start at verse 14. And we're going to read to the end of the chapter. Here goes. Paul writes, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 And that is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians church that we find at the end of chapter 3. So I've got three headings this morning. Prayer, power and purpose. Okay, prayer, power and purpose. So here's the first one we're going to look at this morning. It is, it is prayer. So Paul's response to all the things that he's been teaching through his letter to the church in Ephesus is to pray. Paul's response when he thinks of all that God has done how he's chosen the people, how he's called them out, how he's blessed them, is to pray and give thanks. And he doesn't simply, 20 seconds, bow my head, close my eyes. He falls to his knees and he prays earnestly. It is the kind of prayer where Paul is thinking, God, this is amazing. What you have done for me and people like me is so incredible. My only response is to fall to my knees in worship, and to praise you. Paul's confidence is in God. Paul describes God as the father and creator who has glorious, unlimited resources. That's our God. He's our father. And he has glorious and unlimited resources. And you know, when you say it out loud like that, isn't it a bit of a wonder we don't pray a bit more? <laughs> yeah. He's our Father. He's the creator of everything. His resources are glorious and unlimited. If I find myself not praying about something, when I have a Father like that, I need to give myself a talking to, don't you think? Yes. Yeah? And Paul's prayer flows out of a revelation of truth. 
In fact, if you were to flick back to Ephesians 1, Paul starts by declaring the truth of who God is and what he has done. And he ends chapter 1 with a prayer for revelation. So he says, this is who God is. This is what he's done. My prayer is that you know it. Okay? And uh, he's building on that prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, he's saying, you know who God is? I pray that you know it. And I pray that you will know its empowerment. I pray that it will work out in some way in your lives. So think of this. We, we can know truth. We can know God's truth, can't we? But sometimes we stop at knowing truth. We've heard the word. If you've been tracking through with us as we've been through this latest teaching series in Colossians and Ephesians, there's no doubt you'll have heard truth because we've been reading the word of God. Now, whether it's done anything inside of you or not, whether there's revelation, well, we don't know. That's up to God to reveal that to you and for you to ask him. But we're all on step one. We all know some truth. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 is, here's the truth, and I pray that you know it inside you in a way that convicts you. And his prayer in chapter 3 is, you know the truth, I pray you know it inside you, and I pray you know how that works out in you. Yeah. So do you see the difference? Do you see how he's building on what's been there and we've been prayed already? And you know, we can all do this. We can all do this. We can look at what God says. We can read truth. And we can ask God for revelation. We can ask God to show us what the things he says are true um, how they're to convict us in our hearts, how we're to take what he says and say, yeah, okay, you've said that, God, so that is true. I'm, I'm knowing this on the inside. And then we can ask for empowering to live it out. And sometimes, if we are finding it hard to pray, it can often be, I have found, that it's because we're not finding it easy to read truth. If we're not reading the word, how can we possibly pray to ask God to show us what the word is that we're not reading? <laughs> yeah? So God will show his truth if we look to him to show us what is true and what is real and what is correct and what is righteous and godly. And this next point can really help us. Point number two this morning. Power. Because this prayer in Ephesians 3 is all about power. I read it in the New Living Translation because it mentions the word power four times. Don't know if you can uh, scan through and spot them. Verse 16. I pray that he will empower you with inner strength. Verse 18. May you have power to understand. Verse 19, you will be made complete with the fullness and life and power that comes from God. And then verse 20, God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And I want to say this, God's power at work inside us is not all about lightning bolts and clouds of smoke. We're talking about inner strength and um, inner empowering. 
He will empower you with inner strength, verse 16. And sure, there will be some visible outworking of this inner strength among a people who know God's power in them. But first and foremost, the power that Paul is praying for is an inner strength. He'll empower you on the inside. This is a power that determines to trust God. He can help us do that. It's the power that resolves to take him at his word. It's the power that decides not to conform to the norms of society around us, but remembers that we are his, we're created anew in Christ Jesus. It's the power that enables us to override the sinful nature. Listen to what Paul says when he is saying a very similar thing to the Roman church. Uh, Romans chapter 8, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Power. And he concludes, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. And in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Do you see how Paul is saying the same thing in his letters to the Romans? He is saying to the Ephesians, the words from a different order. But the Holy Spirit provides power, inner power, inner strength for our lives to help us cope with our natural, sinful nature. And if we live as children of God by choosing to be empowered by the Spirit well, then we have an inheritance. It's all over the book of Ephesians, the inheritance that we have in God and that God has in us. And here's the third thing this morning. It's purpose. So we've had prayer, power and purpose. There are three consequences given here of being empowered by God. Here's the first one. Verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Your roots will go down into God's love. There was a time when I rented a house. And uh, it wasn't my house. It was some, I don't know whose house it was actually, but I rented it. And you'll know this, when you rent a house, you, you're quite limited as to what you can do when you rent a house. You can't turn up and say, well, I don't like the carpet. We'll rip that up. And you're not allowed to bang pictures in the walls wherever you like because you've got to return it in the condition you found it in. And you can't paint the walls pink, if, even if that is your favourite colour, because it's not your house. Yeah? So when you are renting somewhere, whether it's a house or whether you're renting a holiday cottage or whether you're staying in a hotel, you, you can't do any interior decorating while you're there. That's strictly against the rules, we found out. No, we didn't find out. No, <laughs> no we didn't find out. But, but you can't do that. But when you own somewhere and when you live there, you can start to ring the changes, can't you? Listen, then Christ will make his home in your hearts. 
We're not giving Christ a short-term rental. We're not giving him three days. Or maybe Sunday between about half past ten and twelve. (laughs) But we're saying, Christ, this is your home. This is where you dwell. And then, just like us, making the home just as we want it to be. Christ can start to do a work in our hearts because that is where he dwells. And it leads on to this. Number two, verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ and then you will be, the consequence of being empowered, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. The, uh, the Holman says, so that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Anyone else's mind boggling right now? Yes. Filled with all the fullness of God. This is where we see overflow. This is where we see evidence of God's power at work because we are filled to overflowing. Just to say something I didn't say, but I think will help is on this. We spoke about an inner strength, first of all, didn't we? And, and roots going down into Christ's love. Yeah? And, and roots going down is important for anything that grows. I'm going to expend my entire gardening knowledge here. Okay? But roots go down and it creates a strong plant. Okay? That's the inner stuff. But what happens? There's something that's going to grow up. And it's going to display something beautiful or it's going to display some kind of fruit. Yeah? And that's what it is to have our roots go down into the love of Christ. Because this is the point that the inner transfers to the outer. I'm not going to talk about innies and outies. That would be heretical. <laughs> but it's, it's where we have the opportunity for something to grow up that is a, a thing of beauty. Because it's something that Christ has made. And that's where we see the overflow. So we see the gifts of Christ among us. We see the gifts of his Holy Spirit among us. We see a beyond ourselves love for others. It's Christ's love. We see a beyond ourselves love for his church because it's Christ's love. And here's the third consequence of being empowered by God. Verse 20, God is able to accomplish more than we might think or ask through his power at work in us. He will accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And you know, we can so easily write ourselves off and decide where the line is going to be drawn in terms of what we can accomplish in our walk with God. But God wants to remind us through his word this morning that we're not alone in this. We're not the ones who decide where the line is drawn. So let's ask for a different line. Let's ask for a greater line. Naturally, I think I can do this. But God, I'm asking you for this. And God will say, well, it's not what I have in mind. (laughs) Keep going. Because he will do infinitely more than we might ask or think or imagine. God's plan for us is far greater. We, um, We went to a restaurant earlier in the year that we like very much and um, 
there was a big poster on the wall, I'd not seen it before, and it's a variation of this old Chinese proverb, and it says, like, says this, people who say it can't be done should stop interrupting those of us who are getting on and doing it. <laughs> I really like that. We see it in life all the time, don't we? Well, you can't do that. That can't be done. That's never going to work. But this poster said, people who say it can't be done should stop interrupting those of us who are getting on and doing it. And it's, it's the same with this word this morning. We might not be able to imagine all that God might accomplish, but he does call us to set a trajectory. He does call us to set our hearts towards him. It does, he does call us to trust him, to accept the fact that he wants to empower us. He wants to strengthen us on the inside in order that there's fruit and something beautiful on the outside. Not to count ourselves out, but to keep saying yes to him. Allowing him to lead us day by day. Sometimes, and sometimes among us, though, we'll feel that we don't fit. These people, they're not like me. And we struggle to find where we belong, don't we, sometimes? But I just want to take us back to where we started this morning, of knowing God's truth and asking him to write it on our hearts, convict us, give us revelation of his truth. to know his empowerment in our lives. Because there is a place where we all fit in the plan and the purpose of God. And it's much more than we can ask or think or imagine for every one of us. So as I finish, I want to say this. Paul is praying a big prayer here, isn't he? This is one of Paul's big prayers that we find uh, throughout Scripture. I want to ask us, I want to ask myself, are we in the habit of praying big prayers? Is our prayer life regularly full of the mighty, complex will of God for our lives? Or is it more about, I pray they haven't run out of butter at Sainsbury's. I pray my children will get over their cold. I pray that I'll have success in my exams. I pray that I'll move house. Now, I'm not dismissing any of that stuff. Okay, maybe, maybe the butter at Sainsbury's actually. But, uh, <laughs> but, but we, can, we can all set our sights quite small, can't we? But knowing the empowering of God in our lives, well, that trumps them all. <laughs> and as we pray, as we pray the small because God is concerned about the detail of our lives, let's not forget to pray the big. Sometimes we set God quite a low bar when what he says in his word is far, far greater than that. We're speaking to a God who has glorious, unlimited resources. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.